What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. The Trump administration is taking aim at sanctuary cities using $4 billion in federal grants as its ammunition. But mayors in sanctuary cities from New York to Los Angeles say they won't be bullied. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has threatened to strip cities of funds if they don't pledge they're complying with a law that bars officials from withholding information about a person's immigration status from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. I strongly urge our nation's states and cities and counties to consider carefully the harm they are doing to their citizens by refusing to enforce our immigration laws and to rethink these policies. Sessions' announcement was a repetition of an executive order signed by President Trump five days after taking office and of a policy the Justice Department announced last July during the Obama administration. Joining us are David Rifkin, a partner at Baker Hostetler, and Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight and former deputy AG for the Office of Immigration Litigation at the Justice Department. Leon, sanctuary cities often adopt rules that prohibit their police officers from even asking people about their immigration status, so it isn't available to share with the federal government. Are those cities in violation of this law? Well, the statute, which is 8 U.S.C. 1373, says that if you do not cooperate with a request from the federal government uh, for information, you are in violation. So the affirmative act of not asking about someone's immigration status would not put you in violation of 8 U.S.C. 1373. What would put you in violation is if the federal government actually made a request for information to you and you refused that request. So, so just to be clear... There's nothing that these sanctuary cities who are doing that are doing wrong or against the law. Correct. No, the the actual text of 8 U.S.C. 1373 says you have to refuse a request for information about immigration status from the federal government to be in violation of that. And so what happens most of the time, the way this controversy arises, is that ICE will ask a local or state jail, can you please give me the information of at what time and on what day you're going to release X individual, and then the state and locality doesn't give that time, and so then now ICE has to go find that person instead of being able to locate the person on the date and time of their release from jail. David, uh, the step that the Attorney General announced yesterday, I'm a little unclear as to whether it is just enforcing a pre-existing rule that was actually put in place by the Obama administration or something considerably broader than that. What, what's your take? I think it's uh, it's a little unclear. I think that uh, there are sufficient grounds, and I disagree with my colleague, to take the view that a, a willful failure to collect this information coupled, look, we have to be real here, uh, when a, a number of cities and other jurisdictions have conspicuously prohibited their employees from collecting this information, 
justifying it publicly at the time it was done so they don't have to provide it to the feds it's it's a little uh, it's a little bizarre when i hear it it doesn't violate a statute that requires sharing of information if you read the statutory language broadly this is certainly a way to avoid or evade it point number one point number two there are a lot of other things sanctuary cities are doing okay relative to not cooperating with detainers which uh, general sessions mentioned a number of whom involved individuals with most horrific uh, uh, convictions or at least uh, suspicions, most horrific conduct. Again, I don't understand one thing. Look, uh, there's clearly because of federalism principles, the anti-coercion and anti-commandeering principles, uh, the federal government cannot force states to spend their resources and personnel to enforce federal law and they cannot curse them. Okay, uh, they they should have a courage of their convictions. They should not seek to obtain federal funds, uh, and they should stand on uh, on their belief that they want to be open and they want to have lots of undocumented aliens. That would be well, an honorable way to proceed. Do, doing both, which is con, con, continuing to sort of uh, feed at the federal trough and squeal, then the funds are being denied while affirming their right to have a separate immigration policy. David, let's let uh, Leon get in here for a moment. Leon, do you agree with that? Well, uh, first, I don't agree that there's any legal requirement whatsoever for a city to affirmatively do anything. The only legal requirement that exists in the statute is that a city has to respond to a request for information about immigration status that is given by the federal government. Now, having said that, there are cities that do refuse to do that. And I do think there is a question of whether a city should think that that is a proper uh, use of its, of, its, of its resources, given that there might be better, you know, this might be the ideal population to focus your uh, removal resources. But having said that, the idea of a detainer having for a city or a, loca- a locality to keep someone in detention, to hold them when they would otherwise be released so that ICE can come pick them up, the problem is this exposes cities to lawsuits all the time because many times these detainers end up being improperly issued. The person is a U.S. citizen or the person has otherwise some status that shouldn't get them detained. And what happens is when that locality gets sued for holding the person unlawfully, ICE doesn't come and indemnify these folks for the cost of that detention. And so that's the problem. These cities are caught betwixt and between. Do we listen to ICE and potentially have ourselves subject to civil litigation, or do we not listen to ICE and be called a sanctuary city? And so that part of it is the problem that too many people aren't discussing. David, I'm guessing you want to respond. We have about a minute left. Yes, yeah, disingenuous because lots and lots of those cities are proudly from the intent to defy immigration law. And let me ask my colleague one simple question. Are you aware that there are instances where don't involve uh, uh, unlawful aliens at all, but one jurisdiction is asking another jurisdiction to hold somebody while they're seeking a warrant? Do you realize how much uh, law enforcement cooperation transpires in a different sphere? We live in a world where you know, an American who is who has been accused of rape, but for whom a warrant has not been obtained, has a better chance of being held temporarily in another jurisdiction than a lawful alien. That, that's absurd. That's totally absurd. You have, Leon, you have 30 seconds to respond. Sorry. The difference is that the detention there is criminal detention. 
Here, the detention would be for the purpose of removal, and if you can't actually remove the human being, then that detention is considered unlawful, and then it's the city that's stuck with the bill for the lawsuit. That's the problem. I'm not saying whether I agree with the policy or not. I'm just saying that the law currently doesn't allow the cities to get indemnified when the federal government makes a mistake. All right. It's a, it's a long debate that we're going to be having a lot in the future. I want to thank you both. That's David Rifkin, a partner at Baker Hostetler, and Leon Fresco. He's a partner at Holland and Knight. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Thanks to our producer, David Sutcherman, and our technical director, Mark Sinis-Calci. Coming up, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson is starting, and they will be talking about a variety of things, including uh, Trump executive orders to cancel Obama policies. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.